Hello and welcome back to the Lorg Wife. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Justin. And I'm A.E. And we are here today to talk things, uh, all things Dominaria. Well, mainly Karn. Mainly- Karn! By all things Dominaria, we mean... Karn! I'm sorry, you guys, I had to. We, we all have to. Which, I mean, just mean like me and Justin. I'm yeah, sorry. when Tron is assembled in turn three and your opponent plays Karn, you just put your chest out there and shout at the top of your lungs... Karn! So what, do, 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 what do, we do, want to do, find do. out today is how we got from Karn's origin to Karn Liberated, which is terrorizing modern. Yes. Um, to better prepare for ourselves for the Karn as seen on the promotional material of Dominaria. Yeah, he seems to have gotten a bit of a face job done thing. I mean, I, I get that a lot of the art in the old um, sets definitely varied in terms of like character descriptions and whatnot, but Karn looks exceptionally different. Like, I don't know, maybe after he left Mirrodin, he was just like, you know what, we're going somewhere and I'm getting a tune up. And while that I'm getting a facelift, he planes walk to the merry old land of Oz. Yes. Yes. And he met up with his friend, Mr. Tin Man. That's right. Yeah. And they went to the luxurious spa in the Emerald City. I hear that it's run by munchkins. It is so Also the China people. Yes. Yeah. Made by the porcelain. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Whatever they are, they're dressed in green. <laughs> so when I think of Karn's <laughs> creation, I think of Urza holding his head in the picture of Stroke of Genius, where he comes to the realization that silver is the only thing that can pass through the temporal aperture. So he created Karn fundamentally as a tool to uh, combat the Phyrexians to travel back in time to undo them. Um, so Urza created this about the same time as he innovated the Teleran Academy itself, and Urza put his heart into creating Karn. Well, <laughs> that's not really true. Uh, Urza had no heart unless he chose to manifest one as a planeswalker, but he put Zancha's heart into Karn's head. That's that's awkward, and I don't think that's quite how the game operation works. I, I, I think that's about as familiar as Urza was with humans. I, I, fair. By the way, we are going to we are embarking right now on a history of Karn. Just in case you you wanted to know why the heck we're starting. We're attempting, this is kind of a way to tiptoe through the Dominaria's history with you, with some context that we're familiar with. While showing incredible restraint by not shouting out Karn every time his name is mentioned. It is so hard. Please continue, A.E. So, speaking of Urza having no heart, he kidnapped kids because he didn't want to train adults in his wizard academy because adults could be sleeper agents from Phyrexia. Okay, so this sounds like the Tiger Mom version of Hogwarts. Like, they just, just a bunch of, like, angry, overachieving, like, well, not overachieving, but a bunch of angry parents just taking their kids and kidnapping them to boarding school so that way they can learn how to be wizards. Like, there is no owl coming for you for Tolarian Academy. You don't leave Tolarian Academy. Yeah, you don't. There's no summer vacation. There is no summer vacation, and instead of an owl bringing you an acceptance letter, it's just Urza coming to kidnap you in the middle of the night. Yeah, how does Ur- how was Urza able to kidnap all these children? Ha- Honestly, like- I don't remember the particulars, but he's a planeswalker who did what he wanted. I'm just, I'm, I'm just <laughs> guessing that he was like reverse Santa Claus. Like, he had a giant bag of holding, and instead of delivering presents to gifts, he like... My gift to you is no children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So... So one of those children who was kidnapped um, is Teferi. He's portrayed as a trickster. Uh, He took advantage of Karn, uh, Karn's ignorance. He was like a newborn child himself. He was given sentience by accident. Um, And Teferi called Karn Artie Shufflehead. To be fair, that is not a very creative nickname. Well, I I mean, they're kids. Yeah, they're kids. Senior student... uh, Joyra defended Karn and began to teach him for realsies and gave him... She's the one who named him. So Joyra named him Karn, which is Thran for Mighty. I think that's a much better name than Artie McShovelhead. Well, Joyra was a much better person, at least at that time. That's a good point. So uh, she, what she was is a kind of a young adult heroine at this point, and she finds her mysterious bad boy, but unfortunately he turns out to be extra mysterious and bad. In fact, a Phyrexian sleeper agent. Oh my goodness. a better love story than Fifty Shades of Grey. That's true. His, <laughs> his negators infiltrated the academy, killed Joyra and everyone else. Uh, is. Still better than Fifty Shades of Grey. Still so, better than Fifty Shades. So uh, Karn had to go back into time, and he ripped open time. He sundered time to prevent this, and this caused the first time rift in Dominaria. Using Joyra's know-how, Urza and Karn go into a time rift and pull out Teferi. 
And then Karn goes to help build the monorig and form a coalition with Shiv to combat. Phyrexia even goes into Sarah's realm on the Weatherlight. So what exactly is a time rift? It's like a just a rent in the fabric of time. And if you Joy described it as if you go into one, you just get annihilated. So she developed a system to help Urza and Karn enter them as they're very durable creatures. Urza being a god and uh, Karn being golem silver. So they were able to kind of penetrate this disrupted time rift and pull out to fairy to fairy. And I guess if you cared to know about this, it was a slow time rift, so he was kind of locked in time, and everyone else's time was progressing. So then they used set up these a lot of time labs, created slow time zones so they could do more things faster. And anyway, it got it was um, it was super intense. Uh, but anyways, time rifts happen, and they fight they fight uh, Phyrexians for who never knows how many thousands of years at this point. Uh, so Karn. Amongst this, um, whenever Karn traveled away from Jira, he found he became depressed. And Baron, who's a master wizard who actually cares about the students, uh, asked Urza to help Karn feel less tarnished. So Bright Guy Urza put an upper limit on Karn's memory at 20 years. So in order to preserve his most precious memories, every night he repeats the phrase he mustn't forget, Joyra is my friend. Aww. Aww, that's so cute. Do you two have something that you repeat to yourself every night before you go to bed so you won't forget? Um... Did I, I didn't mean to catch you I, off guard there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just like, God, I don't think I have anything I, I, I say before I go to bed other than just like... Don't kill Justin. Don't kill Justin. <laughs> don't kill Justin. <laughs> Is that what you say, AE? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in the Weatherlight arc, he served as the nanny golem for Gerard Capuchon, which is who is part of Urza's legacy. Uh, Gerard's adoptive brother, Vuel, who goes on to become... Gerard's first nemesis, known as Volrath. Mm. Volrath stole the legacy, and when Karn tried to retrieve part of it, he killed an, a bystander. And after that, he took a vow of pacifism. And you can see this effect on his first card, Karn Silver Golem, which is an artifact creature. Whenever he engages in combat, he becomes an 08. On the Weatherlight, he journeyed with Gerard to rescue Captain Sisse. Volrath captured and tortured Karn by putting him into a revolving room, which was kind of like a drying machine with a few mogs tossed in. They crushed with a pop. No. That's really? Okay, I'm just going to say whoever wrote that, I feel like that's very unnecessary. It, it seems it's, pretty brutal. It um, just, it, I mean, like, I, I get that, you know, writing is hard, but there are ways of showing cruelty without putting your protagonist in a tumble dryer and throwing in, like, mogs to be crushed underneath his weight, like some kind of sad, fragile fabric softener sheet. Like, that's just not how... I mean, I talk know. about cruelty. Think about all of the white laundry that was in there that came out red because of the mogs. And just the blood... Yeah, all the t-shirts and all the socks. You're never getting that out, no matter how much bleach you use. <laughs> so Vorath <laughs> forced Karn to betray his own vow, but uh, Karn was able to walk it off, and he stayed true to his principles when he interacted with the Sliver Queen. Sliver Queen was guarding the legacy, um, like some components of the legacy. He did not fight her, but instead appealed to her, telling her that the legacy was as much a part of him as her slivers were of her. Moral of the story, Sivers are awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> Urza, who created the legacy, is kind of like the absentee father of the legacy. Karn and Hannah are the loving parents. Aw. That's adorable. All right. To Dominaria. Yay, Dominaria. Karn's vow of pacifism would later keep him from protecting his friends and his homeworld. It wasn't until a blow to the head that shattered a cap that Urza had placed upon his memories... Did he remember killing all the Phyrexians to protect Joyra? He would then help Gerard kill Sabo Tavik, a Phyrexian general, and celebrated the victory until six in the morning. <laughs> when the, with the memory seal now broken, a new bloodlust came to Karn. Arr! In spite of this, he spent much of his time in the Weatherlight's core as it improved itself and further integrated the legacy weapon. Just as the Weatherlight and Karn were becoming BFFs, like Bender and the Planet Express ship... Bender, are you seeing other ships? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you got that. <laughs> Stupid Yogmoth. Stupid Yogmoth comes along as a big black death cloud and threatens to destroy Dominaria. Yeah, that puts a damper on most days nights. I know. Yeah. When all hope seemed lost, Gerard placed the Mightstone and Weakstone into Karn, 
releasing a wave of white mana that destroyed the Phyrexians and slayed Yogmoth. The Power Stones turned Karn into a planeswalker. Bom, bom, bom. So, after that, in his travels, uh, Karn created a plane of his own called Argentum, which is a plane of precision, mathematical perfection, five different suns, and artifacts that tend to take over most commander games. Unfortunately, his power stone leaked Phyrexian oil, which, when it came in contact with Memnarch the Golem, um, he's a he's a golem, looks like a tick, I think, or a crab. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a crab golem. So, uh, yep, that's that's fun. But yeah, it turned him pretty cray cray in the membrane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Memnarch was crazy, renamed the plane Mirrodin and tried to use the resources of the plane to turn him into a planeswalker. Karn was like, um, no. And with the help of Gliss's Sunseeker, a potential planeswalker herself and some others, um, they were able to turn Memnarch into the Mirari, which is a powerful artifact, and then pieced out to do more soul searching or something. So the so the. So the Mirari came was okay. Yeah, it sounds like the Mirari came to uh, Dominaria and caused a lot of trouble. Right. Yeah. In, in the in the card, the Mirari card, can you actually see like Karn like looking away, but not looking away, <laughs> but looking away? If you look really closely at the reflection, I need to double check. All I know is that it gives all of my white and green creatures plus one plus one, right? So that's Mirari's Wake, and that's the card that most people are familiar with. with yes. the it has like an aura of influence which powers people up. Uh, usually it's associated with making them kind of cray cray, but uh, yeah, cray cray. I thought the Mirari was the Mirari and then it became Memnarch. Other way around, it sounds like. Memnarch okay. was, you crushed, he crushed it into the Mirari. Yeah, he took that like nice clay, not clay, not nice. Um, crab golem and then squished him into like a crab ball which is now the mirari i i, I wow I, I had totally forgotten that but to be fair there is a lot of dominaria to there's forget. a lot of dominaria i just want to put i just want to put memnarch into a big butterfly costume and then call him the memnarch <laughs> memnarch you could take him to fiora and then um, I believe that's the name of the plane. And, and you could make him, oh, no, Pagliano, right? On, you can give him City of Pagliano, and then you can crown him. Yes. And then now we can draw extra cards. Yes. And that's great. All the extra cards. All the cards. Anyway. And, he, and he has a cute side sidekick <laughs> named Dr. Girlfriend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so eventually, after the events of Time Spiral, which was crazy in and of itself, we're not going to go into it here, um... Karn decided to return to Mirrodin, which by this time was completely engulfed by the war between the native Mirrodins and their Phyrexian counterparts. He was then bound into the core of Mirrodin and dubbed the Father of Machines, and so he spent basically years sitting on a sad metal throne and getting really angsty and all interconflicty because he's Karn, and apparently this is just what he's really good at. Um, in the meantime, the Phyrexian oil continued to eat away at Karn's heart. As the Phyrexian Praetor squabbled over what to do with Karn, he was able to stop angsting for a minute and send out a beacon to the planeswalkers trying to save him. When the rescue party finally found him, Venser and Melira were able to give Karn a good scrub down, but they couldn't clean out his heart. At this point, Venser, already infected, um, decided to make the ultimate sacrifice and give Karn his own spark. With a new, less angsty inside, Karn rose from his seat, punched the air, and said, It's time to kick some Phyrexian butt! And did, then did he actually like, say that? No, but let's just pretend he did because it's way more badass than what he, he So that is Karn liberated at this point, and he's yeah. punching out permanents left he's, and right. Yeah, punching out all the permanents and like the Kool Aid Man, or like Blade. So Possibly we have a Kool Aid Man that's Blade. We have Venser to thank for Karn liberated. Mm -hmm. Thanks, yeah. Venser. And it is appropriate, although apparently this is unintentional, that to cast Karn on turn three requires the combined might of Urza's tower, right. Urza's power plant, and Urza's, right. uh, let's see, tower, power plant, mine. There we go. Yes. The Urzatron, and it is appropriate since Urza was the one who created him at the start. And um, further bears reinforcing that Urza created him specifically to defeat the Dom uh, Phyrexians. That's pretty much the only thing he cared about at this point. And Chase the Mind Sculptor. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, no, I don't think that Urza intended for that to happen, but I do think it is part of Karn's new mission in life. 
to defeat Jace the Mind to Sculptor. To punch as many Jaces as possible. Just, just we'll see if punching. that's what happens in, in Dominaria. Hey, and you know what? If you're if you're the opponent and you don't scoop on turn three Karn, then you can wait until next turn when Ugin comes to join the party. <laughs> Do you think Karn and Ugin would be good friends in real life? By real life, I mean in the story. Because they're both, like, colorless, and they're both, like... They both, like, don't do things for a really long time. That's a really good point it's and interesting. a very good question. Yeah, I kind of feel like they would be, like, BFFs for a little bit, maybe, and then Ugin would just be like, aw. They have a lot of generic mana in common, that's for sure. They so do. here's what I envision happening. Ugin says, hey, Karn, you're pretty cool. I'm a little busy right now. Why don't you meet me at the cafe <laughs> <laughs> in a couple of hours? We'll play magic or something. And Karn gets all giddy and excited, and he's like, yes! And then Karn waits and waits. <laughs> and then Karn and feels waits. like Artie's shovel head all over again. Right? And then he gets all depressed. And then the cafe staff is trying to close the store. And they're like, we're sorry, Mr. Golem, but you're going to have to leave. <laughs> and Karn is like, why? Why does this always happen to me? And then he goes and creates his own high romantic thing. And so fits the cafe under lockdown. I, <laughs> I think it is appropriate to call him Sad Karn, Sad Golem. He is the saddest. Like, my God, most of his story arc is very much like, I'm a sad golem and I'm sad. Well, I think it is interesting to portray a, what I would consider as certainly a down in the dumps character um, amongst the heroes. And he plays an important role throughout the uh, Dominarian story. That's true. You know, it all started when he was a little silver golem. And he asked Urza, what is my purpose? And Urza said, you serve butter. <laughs> and then Karma was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. And this was the beginning of Karn's angst. I, yes. So the other thing, the other question I have is, so Karn is made of silver. And we know that there are other artifacts in the multiverse that are made of silver. For example, the Hell Vault and Innistrad's Moon. So could like could we have stored Nahiri inside Karn? <laughs> like, could we have put both Grizzlebrand and Nahiri inside Karn? Like, it could Karn become like a walking hell vault? It would no. probably cause him a lot of indigest indigestion. So on, on Innistrad, Silver fills like a mythical, almost religious role associated with the moon. It's dispelling. It's it, Yeah. It's pushing back where the, the strength, enabling and pushing back the strength of werewolves. So it, <clears throat> and demons. These and being different things. planes, I think we can allow Silver to have different fundamental properties. But, but what if Karn came to Innistrad and he was like, Yo, and then he, all, all of a sudden his silver would like light up with the wards of Innistrad and then angels would follow him and he'd be like, the, okay, he, so here's what needs to happen. Karn needs to go to Innistrad and he would become the coolest person ever. He could be very well become the angel pimp. Oh my gosh, he could <laughs> fill in where Avacyn left off. They would just shine some lights off on him and he'd be like the uh, disco ball of Innistrad. Uh, yeah, the raves would be epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, they could just like get a giant Innistrati like sigil on his chest because he's doing a lot to himself nowadays. I don't know if you noticed, he's he's looking real different. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe he he's could working just, out. Yeah, he's working out. You know, he's getting he's getting real cut. He's getting um, shapely. Yeah, yeah, he's getting really yeah. So I, I just think that there's a lot we could explore there with um, Silver and Innistrad and Karn. Yeah, just he, he may be undergoing his mid millennium crisis. So so you. I, and I know you're probably saying Karn's been spending some time to work on his body and whatnot and get all happy to be Karn. But <laughs> it, so he's a silver golem. Like, does he have flesh? Does he have tissue? Well, he has that heart. Um, I think ultimately he needs to find new things to do with himself because uh, ever since he fulfilled his function to be the legacy to destroy Yawgmoth and drive out the Phryxians the first time, he's had a lot of time to fill. And I guess it seems like he's reinventing himself. He, uh, let's see, uh, he, for a while, he trained Jessica, who is, again, the awesome planeswalker who, who uh, cured, who solved the mending, so to speak. And he trained Venser, and he's mourning for his lost pupils because he's a sad golem. Uh, he, for a while, shared his soul with the weatherlight. Of course, that was destroyed. Uh, so, uh, let's see, he's, he's essentially a weapon who no longer had a purpose until he kind of went back to Mirrodin, saw that the Frexians were still 
swarming around everything, and maybe he has this new pur- a new purpose now to uh, kick all the Frex in butt. So, but nowadays, like, the Frexians aren't really the big problem here. The big problem is Nikki B. So that might be where he and Ugin are at odds. For for Ugin, he, he sees Nicole Bolas as the big problem. Mm-hmm. Karn has never had a problem. He's never really interacted with Nicole Bolas. But what if... What if he is now? Like, what if Nicobolas shows up on Dominaria and there's this whole, like, throwdown and then, you know, Karn is like, I'm going to exile you and opens up his ginormous silver chest and right. just shoves Nicobolas inside. Like That's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but we could just use card oil. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know what? Maybe, maybe that is how it works. Because <laughs> he exiles him and then brings him back into play somehow. Right. Yes. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's just going to, I don't know. Maybe Karn is a cabinet of curiosities and the, just the legacy kind of <laughs> flows around him. I, so, but the legacy, the <laughs> legacy weapon was designed to beat Yogmoth and the Phyrexians. Can it be used to defeat other enemies? I think, well, the legacy was just so weird. I don't know. <laughs> it was involved Gerard. It had, I, I almost got it right. It was a Juju bubble, not the Juju bobble, but it just had a lot of strange a lot of strange things in it. Uh, I think probably, um, probably not would be my guess. There's one thing that I'd like to revisit before heading into break, and that's Karn's heart. So Karn, uh, Karn got his heart from Urza, and Urza got the heart from a... Zansha. Uh, yes, the Zansha. sleeper she agent, right? She was a right? Sleeper, agent. sleeper agent who kind of turned. Yeah, and she was a double... She basically um, switched sides, so she defected. So she galvanized around with uh, Urza for who knows how many years. Urza had a strange affection for a lot of Phyrexian things, and Zansha was one of them. Um, and I think Zansha uh, sacrificed herself to protect Urza question mark okay. <laughs> and uh but he preserved her heart and then installed it in a golem as you do and uh somehow that made karn sentient and here we are mm-hmm. okay right on and it's the heart that contains the glistening oil yep that's uh yeah that's I, yeah it's that it's all makes sense it all i think makes so sense now. yeah it's very convoluted i mean like the early writing i know is there's just a lot of weird twists and turns and it's it's definitely i don't think quite as fleshed out and and thoughtful as some of as as like the stories we get nowadays at least that's sort of my opinion after trying to read some of the older stuff to look at to put it a different way uh nowadays we have novellas for each set whereas back then they had novels so there was a lot of just a lot of stuff in each in each set it's very, it, it feels very decentralized, have, not having access to the novels and trying to do a summary on Karn. But I think we did, I think we did pretty good. I certainly I learned so. a lot. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, we have a new sponsor. So we have a new sponsor. Um, seems like, well, it seems like a really interesting product. I mean, like it's very multifunctional as far as I can tell, but I don't know. It, it's something new and I'm really excited about all these new sponsors we've been getting. Yeah, it's uh, something you could pop popcorn with. Yeah, also help grease up your car for those parts of your car that need greasing, such as, say, pistons. I don't know. Um, and and I think it's also good as a vinaigrette, but I've been, I don't know. I've been told maybe not that one, but we'll see. We'll see. Definitely we'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. We'll be right back. Take care. What's wrong, Ledenmere? I'm Karn, the father of machines. You can trust me. Your skull clamp isn't working. Well, I don't understand everything these kids are up to these days, like Tide Pods. But there's nothing that Karn oil can't fix. For all your industrial needs, be sure to use Karn oil. Karn oil. It's not just the wind, it's your squeaky shutters. Fix them with Karn oil. Karn oil. Win every flip with your monocrypt with Karn oil. Karn oil. Please Smuggler's Copter and Standard with Karn oil. Um, Smuggler's Copter is banned and standard. Slide non-believers through the door to nothingness no. with Karn oil. Oh my god, it's so greasy. It even goes great on Mycosynth Lattice Salad. Karn oil. 
oil. The road to completion is paved with good intentions. And we're back. We're back. For the second segment. We've really got a smorgasbord of things to talk about here in the second segment. Lots of stuff happening recently in the magic story area leading up to Dominaria. Yeah, no, it's been um it's been interesting. So for the longest time, ever since I started playing magic, I know that the magic stories have been written by magic R and D staff, um, uh, basically. And so um I mean of course I'm guessing within the office, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so stories get passed around between people, different people. And, you know, sometimes we get a little bit of inconsistency in terms of quality. But overall, I think that um, it's been fairly good. But it seems like we're going to be taking a departure from that and actually bringing in some outside folks to really take over and create the new I guess, tone for um, future sets and, and how those will play out. And we're bringing in some really good talent like Martha Wells. So Martha Wells is a renowned science fiction author. I believe she's been nominated for several awards, right, A? Philip K. Dick Award. Yes. And I think the same one, a Nebula Award just recently. Yes. So she's no, she's been writing for like a while, at least a few decades. So. And specifically, this is for her novella, which is good because... Dominaria's story will be about novella length. Yes, and uh, I believe that there are about 12 stories in the Dominaria block. Yes. And all of this is done in conjunction with the creative team and the world building team. So we're not completely saying goodbye to Kelly Diggs and Allison Lawyers, which is good because we love them so very much. Um, and so it'll be it'll be great to have, you know, like a different voice taking some of these really great characters that we love and kind of bringing new life to them, a new perspective. And what's good is that because I am, all of these are already kind of charted out and we have a really experienced writer doing this. Uh, maybe we'll be getting a little bit less of the like jumping around that we see in terms of um, from plot point to plot point, hopefully, but I don't know. You're hoping the vision will be consistent and uh, continuous. Yes. She was, continuous. she was recently on Magic Story podcast uh, where Doug Byers uh, interviewed her about her thoughts working on the Dominaria story. She said that she's already finished the first six episodes already. She's got another two drafts going and she's already starting to write the, 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 re the remainder of the story. She seemed super excited about it. Uh, she started talk. Well, she discussed her background as a science fiction writer. She's also worked within world projects. For instance, she did two Stargate novels and a Star Wars novel. And she also mentioned a little bit about new things that we can see or we're going to see in Dominaria, primarily Tiana, guardian angel of the Weatherlight and uh, Arbad who is a vampire and apparently they're friends. So they, uh, she also mentioned that there's a strong fantasy plot in Dominaria. Uh, one that has a horror trope with demons and a cabal. Uh, and she loves the steampunk aspect with magic, magically created machines like the Weatherlight. Yeah, no, this should be really interesting. I mean, I don't know very much about the Weatherlight. Oh, I, I do know something about the Weatherlight, but as someone who came to Magic just a couple of years ago, Dominaria is pretty new to me. And so I'm excited to kind of explore, um, explore this world from the perspective of some of our like new favorite characters. I know that a, a pe some people are kind of disappointed to see that Gideon will be back so soon. But honestly, I'm, I'm kind of really hoping that we, we see something of a character arc for him in the same way that we saw like for Jace on Ixalan mm -hmm. because you know Gideon's got a lot of issues to work through and coming to a plane that's been fighting Phyrexians for forever um, I kind of wonder what that's going to be all about and Gideon is rich with issues I mean, if he takes on some of the Phyrexian difficulties that would be a great project for him forever I, I feel like he's always fighting something he's just like I gotta keep fighting cause he's gotta fight other things because he can't bear to fight himself that's right yes 
there should be some some zombies that's strung up by ropes by Liliana for him to take out his aggression on if he can't find anything to fight. But it's like sad fighting. It's not like fighting fighting. It's like eh. maybe Karn can volunteer to be hoisted from a rope and <laughs> <laughs> can can go like a pinata, like right? a giant silver pinata. Yes, but it, that it, seems that seems like a lot. We're gonna need a lot of rope. Karn could wear like two little horns, like Eurebos. <laughs> like you're as bad as Volrock. <laughs> <laughs> Leave my baby sad golem car alone. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 it'll be really good to um, see what happens. I don't know. I feel like the narrative team has been in a really good place for a while. There's a lot of really great work that they've done. So I have a lot of faith that this is going to be pulled off really well. And certainly, Martha Wells will have the full support of the narrative team. Yep. Uh, and I, before we go too far away from it, I would like to thank uh, specifically Allison Lurs for her work on the relationship between Jace and Veraska. Uh, Kelly Diggs mentioned that he is credited alongside her, but it was mainly her work with uh, Greg Lubin for the editor. And he wanted to thank both of them very much. And we do as well. Yeah. Hats off. Yeah, hats off. And Doug had mentioned in the podcast with Martha that this was an experiment, that they're reaching out to established authors to create and sculpt the magic story, and that magic has always been a, quote, game-first property. So what that means is that the, the trading card game and the game itself came first, and the Vorthos in the story was sort of brushed aside. It, it was an entity that existed but now there's been this realization and this exploration with the potential of expanding on on the story side. And I think that the it's because of the work of, of Kelly and Allison and other people on the writing team, on the magic story team that really brought story to the forefront. So well, it is thank valuable. you so much. It is valuable if we care about these characters, we want to see what happens to Jason Vraska at this point. I so. mean, we all want to see what Jason, they have a date and we will not rest on this podcast until that date happens. And when that date does happen, we are popping a bottle of champagne and, and then we're going, maybe not champagne, maybe we just drink coffee and then like read a book because that's what they're doing too. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Gorgon's like champagne. But anyway, um, yes. If I, it's toasted over the dead sphinxes they've hated forever, probably. Maybe. Or we could maybe, maybe, oh no, you know how Vraska likes her scotch? On the rocks. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I totally didn't even see that one coming. Yeah. They could turn Gerard into like a little a little <laughs> wine cellar. Yes, yes. I mean, he's already hollow on the inside. It's true. Like a really disappointing Reese's peanut butter cup. So a few <laughs> words on Martha Wells. I have, let's see. She definitely writes uh, what I would describe as the furthest shore fantasy. So very creative uh, stuff. When she was published in, let's see, Nightshade uh, published her. And she wrote books starting with Cloud Roads about a world with no humans on it. So this is what I kind of mean, like farthest shore fantasy, no humans. And the protagonist is what you might think of as a flying monster. And this is kind of how they're portrayed. In the second one, there's a bunch of great sea monsters. And uh, I think one story which specifically stood out to me was Death of a Necromancer. And here you can see, um, let's see, which, that's the premise is what if Jack the Ripper were a necromancer and they go to this huge underground lab crypt with all these horrific, delicious horror elements and uh, I like that one. You would like that one. That is very much you. It's, it was just... <laughs> Justin and I are just like, oh, that's so you, Amy. Mm -hmm. That's just mm -hmm. so you. Look, the necromancer had a lot of great ideas. Just, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> um, yeah, so... She'll have no problem with the Dominaria setting. I like, don't There's a lot of complexity to it, but she definitely looked like she researched this setting, the Jack the Ripper setting, and as deep as Dominaria is, not quite as deep as English history. Yes. Uh, she did comment pretty extensively on the amount of research and, and the body of work that she was given in preparation for writing new Dominaria story. I certainly hope that she gets to glean and incorporate the past of Dominaria into the current story, because I know a lot of people who are currently with story now don't know a lot about Dominaria, myself included. Yep. So I'm really looking forward to that. And one of the last things that she said on the podcast, and then we can move on, is that she just, she hopes that she can live the legacy 
of 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 magic the game and magic story so um if I, I'm not sure where she is on Twitter. I tried to search for her under Martha Wells, and there are like 40 bazillion Martha Wells. Wells. I, I let me double check, but yeah, no, she's on Twitter and she's she's active. So yeah, she's doing stuff, and I think she's excited. I think we're gonna be trying to trying to talk to her a lot when on social media when her first story finally hits the hits the web. Definitely showing her some love yes. and giving her some encouragement. Yes. So with that, I think that's going to set it for the Dominaria portion of the podcast. There yes. was another little kernel of previous Ixalan uh, yes. th that was thrown our way this week, sort of out of the blue. Uh, so as you may or may not have known, the there was a poll that you could have uh, voted on to see who gets to take Orozka. And uh, you could choose between the four factions. So you could choose between the Brazen Coalition, aka pirates, um, the Sun Empire, aka the Sun Empire, aka dinos. Then they're humans. Um, the Legion, the what, Legion of Dusk. Yes, yes, that's the vampires, and then the River Heralds, the Merfolk. And so uh, Allison released the other endings that we could have had, and they were all pretty, pretty much okay. I mean, like the. The Merfolk one was just Tashana being like, ah, yes, we will hide Arazka once more and our people will guard it and it will be like normal, you know. And then um, Vona, I think, for the vampire ending, got eaten by a dinosaur, yeah. <laughs> which was pretty rad. So apparently, so what's going on is that Vona, Sinalenda, and Mavern Fane are just trampling around the jungle. Or tramping around the jungle. They don't have trample. Um, but they are going <laughs> through the jungle. And then Vona's like, we, we can't just leave that giant golden magic city. We need to go back and take it. And Rappin's like, no, uh, we, we need to follow St. Linda because St. Linda is a freaking saint. And St. Linda just looks at her, uh, Vona, like a tiny piece of acne on like a mole and says, fine, if you want it, go. I'm going to go east like be seeing you and then she disappears with map and fane and as vona comes back and she's like oh i'm gonna be so powerful i'm gonna have my own city i'm gonna install like all the board games i have no idea whatever <laughs> just like board games with people's entrails but <laughs> but then she gets eaten by a giant dinosaur who are we going to like say is galta and um yeah yeah that's the end of it to be her. fair whenever i play vona she often gets savage stomped too so oh, it does make some yeah. sense yeah she can't stay on the battlefield yeah. for too long she's too powerful but not as powerful as she is delicious <laughs> <laughs> says galta oh so it would have been nice if saint alenda did some pre-baking action there yeah so i don't know i was talking about this with a friend and we were saying like I, I was just complaining to her, like, oh, my gosh, I really wish that St. Alenda had just slapped her, like, slapped Vona around a little bit because she's such a spoiled brat. And then she was like, no, but Alenda's, like, super compassionate. And so I'm like, fine. Just, you, you don't, but you can still be compassionate and and give them a little blanching, you know, exactly. with the eyes. With just the eyes. Just, just pop just them like... into the boiling stair and then shock <laughs> them with some ice water so the layers peel back really nicely. And then... The dinosaur comes to eat her. Justin wow. speaks from experience. But I was I was just going to say, like, look, we it's like Santa Linda is like the second half of lemonade. You know, super like forgiving and loving and compassionate and is wise. But that doesn't mean that we don't love the first half of the album because we ain't sorry. <laughs> also, hold up Vona. <laughs> <laughs> And and what else? Um, Emperor breaches. The last thing that we have is Emperor breaches or co-Emperor breaches, and I am so sad that we did not vote for the pirates because we could have had co-Emperor breaches. We could have had the best pirate bar ever on top of this giant golden city. And I love that they apparently replaced the cat smell with the smell of like just raucous partying. <laughs> And I think that's, a, that. by the way, that is an upgrade. Um, well, I'm afraid that's a future we don't deserve. You know what? I'm just going to say it right here and now. On this podcast, that is the future that we have. 
We are that alternate future. My my canon future is Galta romping around the Golden City, just eating anyone who dares step in it. You know, that is not incompatible with a co-emperor breaches and Malcolm situation. I'm just saying. Uh, it kind of is. They're tasty. No, but but there's a lot more pirates. Yum. And then, yeah, Yum. exactly. I still stand by my original hypothesis that the everybody did elect the pirates, but because the system of voting was designed by Azor, <laughs> the Sun Empire won instead. And it wasn't like we mentioned. It wasn't like the like it wasn't a real dinosaur win. You know, I was really we were saying like it would be really great if the dinosaurs like ascended Arazka, gained sentience, overthrew their human captors, and just took over the jungle. Well, so, like, the comma went somewhere. The lizards. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up a good point. <laughs> um, so that's the rivals. The last bit of rivals of Ixalan. I think we'll see in a in a while. Um. So I think I'd like to say a few more things about Karn. So we were mentioning that Karn is sad golem Karn, and we weren't just, you know, extrapolating that from the story. It's actually on the cards themselves. Like, if you look at these, uh, pacifism is one of the iconic ones. The flavor text says, frozen, frozen by conscience, Karn did not resist as the Mogs carried him to the Predator. And the card, agonizing memories. An innocent man died because of my anger. That knowledge will haunt me for all eternity. Karn oh Golem, or for at least 20 years. Get it, Karn to hot topic. I'm just telling you, like, the Golem needs to get, like, okay. So what he needs is a sassy, like, gay friend. Yes, he does. He needs a sassy gay friend, because you know what a sassy gay friend would say in this situation? What? What are you doing, you silver metal castaway? What is going on here? Well, I'm just really sad because I can't remember more than 20 years. And, and you know, I've got a friend and her name is Joyra. Karn, you are so living in the past. It is time to look forward. 20 years. 20 years is a lifetime for some people. Why not just hit the clubs with me? We'll go out. We'll drink some whiskey. We'll put some beers down and then we'll hit on boys. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, hey, look at that. It's my phone ringing. It's Joyra. It's saying that she should meet us at Batland in 20 minutes. Oh, OK. Great. Let's go there. Let's dance. All right. This episode of CK <laughs> Friends Across the Multiverse has been brought to you by the Largoives. You can always rely on a sassy gay friend to take you out dancing and possibly drinking, too. And, and of course, hitting on boys. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Karn, like, go, ha like, write a sad poem in your journal and just get out there. Like, live, man. Like, you have sentience. You're made of silver. This is how he responds. Quote. One cannot cleanse the wounds of failure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Get over yourself. Like, really? I, I don't know. Go, go like volunteer at like a, a shelter. Like go play with some puppies. Quote. Or some mogs. Yeah, or some mogs. That'll make you feel better. But Michelle. Just like the mogs that were in the dryer as I was being <laughs> spun around. <laughs> Quote. Because I am capable of tears does not mean I have no need to shed them. End quote. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you ever think god about that, is Michelle? The most emo placewalker <laughs> ever. Give me another piece of advice. I don't even know what to say to that. What if I can't dance, Michelle? What if you can't? You, you don't have to know how to dance. Just move around. Just, or I don't know. Just, just, just spin around and we'll like shoot some lasers at you. It'll be a really great. But Joyra, but Joyra, quote, anger is fleeting. Remorse is eternal, end quote. If anyone has the right to write emo poetry, it's Karn. See, I thought that Soren was the most emo planeswalker, but apparently, no, no, it's Karn. <laughs> but anyway. Well, Karn and Avril Lavigne. I mean, Avril Lavigne has some pretty emo poetry. You know, Karn is more, I think, of like a Slipknot kind of guy, but that's just me. I don't know. You tell us what you think Karn should listen to in order to help, like, Help, yeah. help get through his feelings. Like, what does he have to listen to in order to reach catharsis? He's had a tough time. And one of his car cards that we most know him for on propaganda, Volrath says, you failed, Gerard. You failed the legacy. You failed yourself. I can do no more. Oh, End no. Quote. You know what I think that he... I, you know what I think Karn listens to? 
Nickelback. No. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> you, you broke the cardinal rule of the Lorgoys, and that's never to mention Nickelback. So we have established Sad Karn, but there's also storytelling mentor Karn as well. Karn did teach Gerard Capuchin, one of the most important characters in Dominary history. He also taught Jessica, who is way cooler, and I think Venser as well. So I'm guessing he taught them poetry. Really, really bad slam poetry. If that's what it takes to defeat Phyrexia. <laughs> no, come to think of it, maybe Karn had a sassy gay friend that took him to Oz to get all polished up. And then they took a, a chisel and chiseled that frown upside <laughs> down. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, that may have been Jorah from him and also Teferi, uh, depending on how nice Teferi was being. Uh, but we don't want to undersell Karn's storyteller mentor element. Like half the cards that he's in, he is, he's spitting some wise wisdom or at least some interesting stories. Uh, so here's one from Spellbook, which is my favorite. Quote, everything the wise woman learned, she wrote in a book. And when the pages were black with ink, she took white ink and began again. But that seems like a really bad use of ink. Also, that woman must have used 90s gel pens. Oh, I remember, remember 90s those? gel pens. Yeah, they had the pastel gel pens that you could use to write on black well, paper. If, technically speaking, Karn is a child of the 90s. He is a child of the 90s. So with that, it's hard to say it, but it's time to say it. Goodbye. <laughs> Karn says from the well of his own isolation. Well of his own isolation. As he falls forever into the blackness of his Phyrexians. He's just looking at a photograph. Okay, so... Joyra. I bring taint to everything I touch. Before we get... Before we get too dark with the taints and the touching and the stuff. And Nickelback. And the Nickelbacks. Uh, we have had a, a long commitment to our listeners to, to share some SROM and Bon success stories. Yes. So we just, we did, we wanted to reach out to everybody and get some testimonials on how well SROM and Bon has been able to serve you in your time of need. So I'm just pulling that up really And these are the here. internationally acclaimed Planeswalker. Not just internationally Interplanarly acclaimed. Um, they've been featured on our show three times. I think they did a class action lawsuit against Gonti's totally legit secondhand. Im- oh my gosh, I can only remember. So here we go. Um, so one of the best, I think the best one, honestly, was done by uh, Direfleet Beckstabber, otherwise known as um, at Behold MTG. So uh, he begins with, so I took a small boat ashore of this little island. It looked like a kind of useless little island, but my ship's a pretty small operation. So I figured, hey, maybe all the Beckett brasses and landery storms of the world passed it by and it has a little cash hidden, you know. So anyway, I hop ashore and what happens? This freaking huge sphinx swoops down and tells me he rules this island <laughs> and that he's decided is going to be governed by quote unquote feudalism, whatever that means, <laughs> and that I belong to him now. Now this guy could eat me in a gulp if he wanted. So what do I do? I snap my fingers and before you can say shram, bam, a bond's at my side. And he starts talking to the Sphinx about the flaws with feudalism as a form of government. Now, I don't know what happened next because it just kept talking and I didn't understand. So I hopped back on my boat and rolled my scurvy butt back to my ship. I don't think the Sphinx even noticed I left until I was hours away. So thanks, Shram and Bon. You sure saved me from living life on the surf for life as a surf. Wow. That is pretty epic. Amazing. Yeah, that was amazing and epic. Yes. So I just think that, you know, between Dovin Bon and and Azor, you know, I'm going to bet on Dovin Bon like all the time because one Dovin Bon isn't like crazy. Totally. Yeah. I tweeted the Lorgoifs, my own Sraman Bon success story. Lay it down. I contacted Sraman Bon asking them if they could help wizards rescind the reserve list. Mm-hmm. And they said, no way. No dual lands for everyone then. No, well, you know, it's something to save up for. I'm still hoping for the legendary dual lands. Oh, here we go. So <laughs> Thanks, um, Michelle, for coming in and saving the day. No worries. Things so, are going to get really awkward with so, the reserve list. So Things always get awkward with the reserve list. Because it's reserved. Um, so Bob, our friend, said, They helped me after I was exiled to the hospital after Reaver ambush and got me a settlement of treasure, which was uh, really awesome. And, oh, yep. 
Uh, here's another one. Uh, my fleet wheel cruiser broke down before I'd even gotten out of Garipur. Turned out the dealers had deliberately put gremlin saliva in, in the ether tank. <laughs> wow, that's a really harsh one. Bon and Schramm LLP were both professional and ruthlessly efficient in pursuing recompensation. But yeah, no, it seems like Schramm and Bon are really really hitting it across the multiverse. Like, I love the fact that they're just so willing to do whatever it is that needs to be done. And at a very reasonable price, too. I think they charge in masterpieces. They do. So all they would charge is one masterpiece soul ring. Well, as long as... Oh, my gosh. Well, Bond would certainly run around collecting all the masterpieces. That's yeah. for sure. Okay, here's the last one. It's um, by Cody Smith, Darknet Hipster. During my interplanar divorce, Shram and Bana only walked me through the process, but they helped connect me through an interplanar summons delivery service. Thanks, Shram and Bon. So, yep, thank you so much. We had some really great submissions, but I think those were probably the best ones. Uh, but thank you. We'll be doing another call out again like this. So be sure to spark your imaginations and, and let us know if there's anything else you need when you want to listen to us and stuff like that. Also, we turned one. Yeah, we also turned one. That was something we completely forgot. We've been doing this for a year now. Yeah, it was crazy. like, it was like last week I was texting Michelle. I'm like, how long have we been doing this? Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> this crazy podcast for? No. Congratulations, Justin and Michelle. Aww, thank you. Congratulations thank you. to you as well. Congratulations, AE. We should all go get like coffee or champagne or carn oil after, <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> I hear it's, I hear it's great when it's carbonated. It really hits the spat. I always aspire to perfection. Nice. What about completion? Well, I'm sure uh, Alice Norton could be convincing. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So with that... Hopefully her head doesn't get in the way. So <laughs> we're spoiling our own jokes. Oh, God. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to stop before Justin gives away everything. <laughs> I've been one of your co-hosts, Michelle. I'm Justin. I'm A.E. You can find me at A.E. Marling. On Twitter, and you can find Lorgoifs at Lorgoifs. And you can find me on Twitter at Ninox underscore Morpork. You can find me on Twitter at Justiferous. And with that, we will leave you until next week. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to another episode of The Artful Bite. I'm your host, Maverin Fain, with special guest chef, Elish Norn. Miss Norn, how are you doing today? I'm well, imperfect creature. <laughs> uh, today's episode is centered around a newly discovered ingredient, carn oil. We're going to use this oil as a base for a delicious salad dressing. First... We'll add some Ixalan ginger, then three tablespoons of carn oil, finally a bit of blood. Ah, yes. Tastes a little bitter, but that could be the pirate. <laughs> and then we'll plate these on some porcelain legionnaires, courtesy of Miss Norn. Can you move your head, please, Miss Norn? A little more? Is that all right? Thank you. Ooh, doesn't that look pretty? Overall, mwah, perfection. Wait. Oh, no. What's coming out of my eyes? Now you and your dish are completed. <laughs> That'll do it for today's episode of The Artful Bite. God, this stings. And remember, kids, the road to completion is paved with good intentions.